So long, welcome to another episode of the Rebel City Podcast. Um, episode 91. 91. I definitely think that's right this time. <laughs> Aye, getting close to the 100, mate. I mean, we were planning on doing something for the 100th episode, but I mean, it's looking very, very unlikely that we're going to be able to do anything other than just yeah. talk. It's I. Uh, it's definitely took a turn for the worst again this week. Um, aye, I, I, you know, we did have a couple of decent ideas for maybe going and doing something live, um, but I, it doesn't look like any of that's going to be realistic between now and is getting to episode one hundred. So maybe be that we, you know, roll it out once. There's an actual opportunity to do so down the line because I think the ideas that we had were still pretty solid. So, Aye, absolutely. You know what I mean? We can work with them down the line even if it wasn't for the, you know, 100th episode, so to speak. Aye, man. We could, I don't know, we could maybe even do something on Zoom with like pals or something. I don't know. Get a baby. Aye. Ruin. Ruin the 100th episode. I <laughs> <laughs> just like, we're in a huff because we didn't get today what we want today, which we're just going to tank this one. Uh-huh. There's a couple of podcasts that have done stuff like that. Like one of the one of the American ones, they took magic mushrooms. I think it was a two hundredth episode, but right. they just ruined it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they had a smashing time to be fair. You know what I mean? What? Uh, I think. But I can't imagine it'd be a lot of fun to like watch or listen to. No, I think at least one of them freaked out as well. I mean, this is hard enough. Even then, this stoned can be a bit like fuck. Maybe I shouldn't have got this stone before I come on. <laughs> I've definitely done that a couple of times. Aye, that, that's a familiar sentence in many, many aspects of life. Aren't it? Like, mm-hmm. I really shouldn't have been this stone when I tried to do this. Um, I don't really necessarily want to talk about lockdown straight away because it seems like all we've done. I mean, I'm, I've got to be honest with you, having been followed and still as well, we'll no see it because we're doing audio only this week but seeing the streak he was behind me I'm in the middle of decorating I've been doing gardening and it feels like I've like kind of like inhabited like a, a personal level of hell where the last six months has literally just been decorating and gardening and you know you might as well have just thrown in that I had to watch Rangers beat Celtic once a day for six months and I, I would have literally been in hell you know what I mean like, so I'm a wee bit kind of like fuck it I'm over it um, I know there's been a lot of folk that have come out and come back in but we'll I think we'll get to it like I think in terms of like stuff to talk about man like I think the, the the edits have like finally won and that's been the biggest part of this is like the last two or three weeks have just been fucking chocked full of absolute like throbbers just taking up my internet feeds everywhere I look like, <laughs> how, masks, how masks control you and blah blah and you're like I okay Dave for Sheffield yes Bill Gates is entirely interested in controlling and monitoring your life even though you walk about with a smartphone that like advertises you to anybody that wants to buy your data twenty four seven anyway. Like it's just mm-hmm. we've descended into like you know the worst aspects of what we feared when guys like Trump and Johnson came to power was that this this connection with reality would bleed out and like it has in a massive massive way. And, you know being cooked up and feeling anxious and all these other things that come with the current situation definitely are playing a part. But like. Mm-hmm. People have went just off the fucking deep end, man. Like, it's, it's getting absolutely silly. So absolutely, like, man. I mean, I've got people, no naming any names, but I, I've got, we've spoke conspiracy on this podcast a couple of times. I'm getting up here weird echoes here because I, I can hear the room as well as like 
share the mic. It's a little right. weird. I've got used to like AirPods and see because <laughs> I've put the cans back on, it's like I don't know, it's like another dimension I'm in, like what would you say, audibly? What fucking word that is. But we've spoken conspiracy a couple of times and I think there's a couple of people who've picked up on that on my Facebook feed. I don't think I've had anybody like purposefully add me because we've spoken conspiracy, but there's definitely like a couple of people that have noticed that we're talking these things. And I get sent stuff all the time. Like on a by daily basis, I'll get sent something from somebody that's like, what do you make of this? And it's like the other week I got sent Tucker Carlson where it was like somebody for the World Health Organization was doing a speech where they said that coronavirus has became about the reordering of society and that you get through this, we need to make changes. And they were talking about things like locking down and blah, blah, blah. And Tucker Carlson's basically like, well, look, this is what this has been about all along. And I'm like, right, no, that's his take on it. Like, what's your take uh, on it? Did you go and did you listen to the full speech? Do you know what the context was that this wee clip came out of that they've put onto Fox News and then somebody's then projected their opinion? Well, look, this is what it's been about all along. It's like, well, not necessarily. I think that, what the fuck was that? That was the lamp behind the couch phone on top. <laughs> Fucking freaky that the minute we start talking conspiracies, like the lamp falls on my head, like... Mm-hmm. It's the wee fucking voice in the Alexa boxes look pure quick. There's something to distract them. <laughs> um, hi, like pure or, sending, or not, or not. sending electrical <laughs> fucking signals throughout your lamp to phone your head. Um, <laughs> the hi, so it like just asking that sort of basic level, a like question on it, where it was just like, did you did you listen to the full speech? No. What do you think about it? I don't really give a fuck what Tucker Carlson thinks about it because we already know yeah. he's a cunt. Like, but are you a cunt? Like, do you like? Are you interpreting it in this sort of weird way where you're like they're trying to control us? Like, the people don't even get that they're already under control because the people that go to these anti-mask protests, for example, like, there's no square inch of tarmac between their posts and whatever it is they're joining these protests that isn't covered to CCTV. Like, there's, you know, they're tagging themselves in every opportunity, everywhere we go. Like, mm-hmm. they're literally throwing a roadmap to, like, their day-to-day life up on the internet as it is anyway. Like, how much more control do they really think that they're actually seeding by, like, putting a paper mask on when they're in a show? Aye, absolutely. I mean, I think we'll talk a wee bit later about the um, social dilemma. I don't know if you've watched it. The Netflix documentary Social Dilemma. I, did. I think we'll talk a wee bit about that later because I've got terrifying. And I think it sort of feeds into what we're talking about, people's sort of ignorance, because like you've just said, people are literally feeding a roadmap that's been like actually turned into a product and sold for big, big money. And they do not give two fucks about that. In fact, they're gaining it. We'll talk, we'll talk about this later. That they're gaining it to their fucking wains, like they're pure here, pacifying their wains with it. And um, then they're worried about being told to wear a mask to protect other people. It's just, it doesn't make sense. But the one right. that gets me with it, the whole like, this is so that the, the governments of the world can no give or like, can no put draconian measures on their people. And this is about controlling the planet one world government so basically that conspiracy is expecting like the russians the chinese the americans 
the British, the French, every single country on the planet Aye. to be on the same wavelength. Like, we can't look at what's been going on with Brexit. We can't get a cabinet on the same fucking wavelength. And that yeah. conspiracy theory is thinking that somehow every politician, every doctor, every scientist on the planet is part of this weird thing that so that you can't go out to the pub with your mates. Is it that, right? Is it that complex? Or is it simply that we're living through a deadly virus they don't really know how to control it. They need to find a vaccine. And until they find a vaccine, there's nothing that they can do about it by the looks of it. This is any time they try and open up a wee bit, the R rating's going to go up. They're going to just back to it. They'll try to find a balance, basically. With this. They'll try to find a balance with this. But some of the stuff, like, guys don't want to wear masks in Tesco or whatever. Like, these same people need to wave the right to put a fucking scarf on their face when it snows in winter then. Because some of the bullshit, like that's that people are coming away with about, like, oh, it it increases CO two levels and like yeah. it's dangerous and it's no, like it just isn't. Stop with your fucking nonsense. This is one of the ones I think I've seen a few people touch on it recently. Uh, Stuart Braithwaite um, for uh, Mogwai, I'm pretty sure it is. He was talking about it at one point how you know everybody had become an expert because they watched an hour's worth of YouTube videos. Um, and I think as well, I commented all the weekend in a, a post with Vonnie Leclerc where the very similar things was talking about the, I think the last had been like in some sort of home show, renovation show previously, and was talking about how, you know, couldn't they lock down because of X, Y, and Z? And you're like, oh, so, oh shit, sorry, you're a virologist and an economist now. Like, I think that's been the most sort of, sort of frustrating aspect for me in the last couple of weeks is this, like, bleeding out of, like, full knowledge that people seem so determined because it meets the criteria for their outlook in life rather than making their outlook in life about observing was actually just correct you know what I mean um, so I mean I it's it, there is a lot of like armchair you know virologists out there now, uh-huh. and I'm, you know, I'm just like some of the fuck down it's like, actually like showing quite a lot of people out for their vulnerability that we all we almost get this sort of thing about infallibility where all the people can do any wrong especially like when it comes to celebrities it's almost like they project perfectionism so therefore they get judged by perfectionism but this like thing that you're talking about that's happening where people are coming out and spouting all sorts of mad shit thinking that they know what they're talking about it's showing a lot of them up um for just being normal people that are just paranoid they're just like this Aye. lockdown has done something really strange just more respect for the likes of ian brown no Gallagher, and you know woman after property shows and stuff like that if they've just been like this is a really weird situation and I still don't know how I feel about it. Like I don't know how I'm processing it. But like what we're actually getting is the irrational fears of people coming to the surface and them reacting to just like nonsense that's designed to actually fuck with them. You know what I mean? Like, and actively spreading I've seen as you say a few people who I'm not gonna name um on both, you know, all various aspects of my social media, both on Rebel City and on my own personal account where I interact with them in different at different levels and you know on different topics where I'm like, well man, like I actually thought that you were saying and like some of the stuff is so out there and so even so a character for a lot of the people you're interacting with that it's actually quite jarring and and it's that's what's getting to me the most is that this is no no longer the small 
you know, mental space that's taken up by guys like Trump and Boris Johnson talking shit. It's not even new bled out as much as far as their supporters who blindly follow, you know, Brexit like extremists or and so on. It's new out there in the general public, almost like idiocy has become a pandemic during this pandemic. It's just, it's actually now starting to infect people who I would normally expect to have a wee bit more sense. And it is, as you say, at least in part, you know, an emotional reaction that I think we probably need to get grips with because I don't think we're doing ourselves any favours losing our shit at every tiny bit of, like, Aye. misinformation and nonsense that gets thrown in front of us. I agree, man. Mm-hmm. I think it's because, really, that it, it impacts every single person. This is why we're starting to see this kind of sort of, like, idiocy, like, coming out. is just because we am as impacted as you, but that is... That's not really the case with a lot of subjects. So people can have this sort of like objective opinion about stuff and sit back. Even something like Brexit, where you can sort of sit back and and be objective about it in sort of some way. For this, we can't be like that. So people are actually like really. I think people are just scared, and yep. this is the this is how they're dealing with it. They're dealing with it by rejecting it. It's almost like I can't deal with this. Like. If you're actually sitting down thinking about the idea that we're all under threat and we could be like right now, even you go out just out into the street at the shops, like people have got like sort of parameters of comfort that exist and it's like, I will, <clears throat> you know your local Tesco, so you feel really comfortable going there. When you go to different places, it's slightly less comfortable, but it's within a sort of parameter that you can deal with mentally. Yep. This virus seems to be something that people just can't sort of fathom. So it's either, well, it's bullshit then, because I can't even imagine that this is happening. If you were to go back to like a year ago, nine months ago, it would be impossible to imagine that this was going on. So I oh, think absolutely. people have just dealt with it by sort of dealing with their fear by just rejecting it and rejecting it in any sort of way, whatever way that they want to do it. Like, I've been getting up at five in the morning. It was something that I was wanting to talk about actually just is about like going through changes and like I've noticed something by like making a big, big change to like my routine. So I've had like the sort of COVID routine for the last whatever, six months, something like that, where it's been kind of steady. But as like lockdown has been lifted bit by bit, we get the gyms back. I'm trying to make sort of like common sense decisions and how I can use like the shit that I want to use but no put myself in sort of harm's way so I've been getting up at five to go to the gym sometimes I come back and go back to my bed but I've been this has been something that I've been doing for like 20 days or for however long three weeks I think the gyms have been open so like coming on like 21 days and I was just wanting to talk about how tough that change was and how much like a pure struggled for the first like seven to ten days where I was like a fucking baby. Like I was so difficult even just to like live with. Like for Sean, it's been so tough, like having to deal with me because I'm like tired yeah. all the time and I'm busy. I'm like really busy. So I've got like this combination. But after about 10, 12 days, I just noticed that it just got so easy. I was like, wow, I'm actually feeling good doing this. And it was like a pure stark reminder to myself that no matter what the change is, like small, like getting out your bed a couple of hours earlier, um, 
you need to really really be aware of how that impacts your mood and you don't take that out on other people because it was really 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 like difficult to deal with no. um, <laughs> that's probably the other end of the spectrum to what we're talking about here that if there's a spectrum of like how you react to change that yours is probably made at that you know a fairly positive end of the spectrum and what we're talking about in other people is probably quite you know a negative end of the spectrum and like, i don't want to like be too harsh on people because you know the stuff that is out there making people uneasy in terms of these you know the, the folk that say data research and you're like but i have like data actual research but you know what i mean like, Aye. and like that type of mindset you know it, it does as you say it comes to that place of fear and like You've got to empathise with it to an extent, even though I don't agree with it, and I think we should be actively looking to combat it, is that if you're that person sitting in the house thinking to yourself, genuinely thinking to yourself, you know, the government are basically trying to take over full control of my life, and I, I don't want to send my way to school because of X, and I don't want to go to this because of Y, like, that is an absolutely horrific mind space to be living in, if that's genuinely where you are. Like, so, you know, this is something that's, you know, I people are doing it themselves to an extent, but it's also partially something that has been done to them too. Absolutely, you know I mean? and we'll talk about that in two seconds. What I was wanting to say was is that I've been going to the gym at five in the morning, and so I will not say about gym because I'm about to shit talk somebody that's a personal trainer on that gym. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the guys was way... What, How much for me? You know what you say about gym it is? Aye, whatever. <laughs> what's it got? Oh, I mean, really, what's the worst uh, that's going to happen? For fuck's sake, maybe I get banned for the gym, which would suck. But um, the <clears throat> one of the guys' personal trainers was way like, what looked to me like a sort of middle-aged woman, so a woman in like maybe in her fifties, late forties, okay. early fifties, um, and I was on the machine next to them. And I'm a fucking nosy bastard, and I pure no, like I pure listen to conversations. Like I enjoy just sitting listening into other people's conversations just to see if it's anything interesting, and then I'll like check out if it's not anything interesting. But this dude's like talking about how oh the fucking the virus is bullshit. No, we should have never closed the gyms. And so I'm like, right, I'm gonna listen to what his rationale is here. And he was he started getting conspiracy theories mixed up. So he was gone like, if you heard a QAnon? on, and she was like, no. So this woman's literally. Just gone, aye, all right, okay, aye. She's not even like encouraging. She's trying to stretch. What's that? She's just trying to stretch. Aye, exactly. <laughs> aye, she's trying to squat or whatever. And um, he's like, you know, about how it's bullshit. So he's like, aye, QAnon, on. Uh, if you heard a QAnon, on, and he's like, it's about how that that's a conspiracy about how like the government of the world's trying to control us through coronavirus. And I'm I'm pure like, ah, oh, don't correct the guy because then I'll <laughs> just be like, it's all it's all bullshit, by the way. But what you've just said is like fundamentally nonsense. And now you're like, so this guy, the, the bit that was really like, he started producing Facebook memes about percentages of people that are dying and stuff like that, and. The bit that really got me was he said to her, see if there's stuff that you're not supposed to know, I know it. Okay. And I was like, right, so this guy, this is the sort, I think genuinely now, I've got a level of empathy and compassion for the guy, and we're going to talk about that in two seconds. But this guy, the way he said it, and obviously like, I've got like hundreds of hours of like counselling and therapy under my belt. I can kind of get a read on like tone and what people are like. This guy believed what he said. It was it, the way that he said it. I was Aye. like, wow, this guy. So this is the level I think a delusion that we're getting involved in that people are like the information that I'm getting through my social media feed Aye. that 
has been absolutely curated for them, and this is going to lead to like the the next sort yeah. of point as we talk about the the Netflix documentary. Like they believe that that is the the truth, that's the gospel. So we're moving into almost like sort of like a weird way that people believe that their their social media feed is like the Bible to them. Like this oh, is the truth, um, and I think that when I thought about it, like I was actually initially like quite annoyed because I was thinking she's prime because she's middle-aged so that's the prime sort of age that that are getting sucked into this bullshit yeah he doesn't even know what conspiracy theories he's talking about when he's talking about conspiracy theories he's using memes as evidence to like <laughs> back up his argument it's a sound argument <laughs> and then he's, he came away with this like pure one-line delusional statement of like see the things that everybody's not supposed to know uh, i think <clears> one <throat> of the most troubling aspects of like what we're talking about is is that Every single person is getting fed slightly different. Like this is, yeah. I suppose, like where I went with the compassion when I when watching the social dilemma, like the Netflix documentary about what's going on. We already kind of know that, yeah, almost in like denial. But this like really confirms that it's deliberate because I think the social media companies have been very good at going. This is like a, an adverse effect to something that we have just done like we but then you've got guys that are coming out going no no like they research the fuck out this but um the scary thing is is that like well i depending on how what you engage with on a day-to-day basis on your social media depends on what information you're actually getting sent it's like completely yeah. different and not we only that it's about... addictive they're like they're making it addictive like yeah they're pushing you more of what you 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 think me so if that guy right so that guy's a personal trainer in the gym this is where my thought process went. He's a personal trainer in the gym, and so his livelihood has been threatened by this virus. He's just spent six months off, and he's petrified that he's he's going to go back into lockdown. That's the chat this week. Yep. So this guy's doing everything in his power, probably subconsciously, to engage with shit that tells him that this isn't real, that he shouldn't believe it, that it's bullshit, that it's a pack of lies. And every time he engages with that, the fucking social media platforms push Marriott towards him, Marriott, Marriott, Marriott. So exactly. he does feel like he's getting, because he actually is getting pure curated data in a way that he he loves and engages, and that's scary, man. Like, yeah. I think the biggest aspect it for me is that when we started talking about this type of like echo chamber that you can sometimes get with your social media, I, I always considered it to be something that we constructed ourselves by following and unfollowing or friending and unfriending various people at different times. Uh-huh. And obviously the content they pushed to us were the biggest indicator of what we were going to think of, what we are going to feel within that sort of peer group. But I think having watched the, the documentary and a few other bits and bobs in similar areas, you know, these guys that, I mean, it started with Gmail and they were like, I used to be addicted to my Gmail because that notification gave me validation, um, you know, that I was busy, I was successful, I was working and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And all the things that this were behind, the psychological elements that were behind this notification, they were like, well, well let's take that and apply it to every other aspect of social media. And uh, the comparison they used was like a slot machine. You, every time you look at your phone, it's you pulling the lever on that slot machine and every time you get the validation and notification it's like getting you know three sevens up or whatever and <clears throat> it became clear to me then that the actual echo chambers that I thought we constructed and had to be wary of 
were actually being constructed for us. Exactly how you've described is that when you engage with content, it's pushing you more of it knows to push you more of that content. Mm-hmm. It's based on how long you look at pictures, how long you watch videos on average, and it's tailoring the content to what you will engage with so that they can then attach advertising revenue to you looking at their screen. Yeah. And like that was quite scary for me because we've explicitly discussed the echo being in and out the echo chamber and we've both discussed different approaches to it but I just don't really engage with stuff that I don't enjoy watching or, you know, you know, having as part of my social media experience, whereas you've been a wee bit more open at times to actually allow some of that negativity in. And really the actual answer is that none of those two approaches fucking matter a job. Because they're going to push to you whatever the algorithm tells them to push to you anyway. So mm-hmm. as well, that empathy for other people on the other side of this definitely needs to come in. And it's partially what I mean by this is something that is also being done to people rather than just people doing it to themselves. But I'd like to see us now with this inf- type of information out there start to critically think again because I think that's something that has had less and less of a weight put on it as the years have passed, especially in the era of guys like Trump and Johnson and so on, like as to actually like analyse where the information's coming from. Um, you know, as somebody trying to make an argument to you with a Facebook meme, or as somebody trying to make an argument to you by sending you a link to like a New York Times article that's been like two-point verified journalism, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. there's, we now need to start like separating the shit and nonsense for what we need to know because we're at a stage now where it is a kind of life-and-death issue. Like, Trump's there talking this week about how, you know, over 200,000 Americans have died, you know, that he was saying it would have been a result had it been 20, yet he's now opening up massive indoor and outdoor rallies ahead of his re-election that are just going to be hotbeds for infection. And the people that go to these are gone based on the information that their favourite YouTubers gain them or their favourite Facebook feeders gain them. And that's uh-huh. where we now need people to start going, well, hold on a minute, is that accurate? Is that fair? Is that in my best interest? And I think we've definitely, definitely stopped doing that on a mass scale. All right, man. I mean, that... One hundred percent. I think it, the the amount of irresponsible shit that's going on. I mean, this is where I'm I'm kind of coming to it. Like, I I've been in a like a conspiracy rabbit hole before, and I think that COVID really sort of broke that back for me. Like, as far as like going too deep into them. See, when it became like life or death. That's the point at which I was like, I'm going to check out a listening to like random YouTube videos on this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, see, as soon as Joe Rogan starts talking about COVID 19, I turn it off. I don't Aye. want to hear it. Like, he's not an expert. Like, see, when it comes, this is where I've came to with us. Like, I love a conspiracy theory, but see, like, imagining I'm- the conspiracy that, that went behind the, the killing of JFK, imagining. Like Nazis going to South America, imagining nine eleven conspiracies. That's all well and good, and there's a bit of fun in there, and that's what I go for. But see, as soon as it became like today, life or death, like people's kids, people's moths, taking a chance with that on a conspiracy, no thank you. Like I'll default to the experts. Like I'm as distrustful of this Tory government as anybody. Absolutely. But to think that. The Scottish government, the Tory government, just like I said at the, the sort of top of the show, the French, the German, the Chinese, the Russians, all the enemies against the Middle Eastern, Israel, they're on the same page. It's just wild to think that. Yeah. And it just, I'm defaulting to 
the epidemiologists, the doctors, and that's where I'm at with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Definitely. I think that's where like, the that's common why sense it's been so. Be. I think that's why it's become such a like toxic thing for people is because there has been a prolonged period of time ahead of this where things like conspiracy theories and whatnot were pitched as entertainment. You know what I mean? Like I've like two days ago I was sitting watching the Ancient Aliens. Now this is a show that basically presupposes that all ancient civilization was founded after some like connection to alien contact, including things like Jesus and like the Temple Mound in Jerusalem and everything. It's bonkers. Uh-huh. And like I find it entertaining because there is an element into which you're like, well, let's see how much your reach this is for you to justify this. And they've made like three and a half seasons of the thing. Like right. same with your your finding Hitlers and you know all these other ones where it is it's a form of entertainment. So it, it's been easy for people to make the mistake that what they watch on YouTube is credible or what they see because it mirrors so much uh, you know mainstream content that's out there in similar fields. You know what I mean? Like it's I I don't know. We need to introduce some of these, like, you know, Twitter style warnings or whatever it is, where stuff's fact checked or whatever over a certain amount of viewers. I don't know what the answer is, but there, there needs to be some way I actually say to people, like, without patronizing them, because a lot of what is put these people off yeah. is that they feel patronized by the society. So why will they be in any way inclined to believe what, uh, you know, a government they believe is corrupt or a society they believe is against them is going to say? You know what I mean? Like, we need to actually find the way to, as much as I'm saying to people, you know, there has been an idiot pandemic. Like, I'm saying that almost half in jest, you know what I mean, Mark? Aye. We need to find a way to get beyond that, to staying in and actually to a point where we can reach people and say, no, man, look, that's no real. And, like, Aye, here absolutely. is why what you're propagating is really unhelpful. It's, you know what I mean? It, it's a difficult one at the same time because no matter what, like, some people will never be happy. Like, I would suggest that, or I think that the last sort of week or so, that Nicola Sturgeon has done an absolute immense job at, as, as First Minister. I think it's been outstanding. Aye. She's even got like a Piers Morgan praising our own like Good Morning Britain. And yep, she's had steady, consistent leadership throughout. Like, yeah, and the message yesterday, I think, like what everybody was saying was inspiring, like what she was saying in Parliament. But there are still an element uh, that are just no happy that. Just, yeah. it's still, I oh know, she's terrible. Like, I mean, George Galloway's got a petition open to get her to resign. <laughs> George Galloway, really? No, I mean, like, like, how about we get a petition together to get him, like, Anglified? Give him England. Like, we don't want you. You're uh, no Scottish anymore, mate. Fuck off. I mean, <laughs> he's got to be the worst Celtic fan that's ever existed, that guy, man. Yeah, believes in the freedom and sovereignty of Palestine and Ireland, but no, he's in country. But again, that's a matter for him. You know what I mean? Like, um, right, that's the, a political the, choice. The you know people I mean? of Scotland are going to rise up in one almighty wave behind a George Galloway petition. Like, that's the type of like delusion that I can allow. Like, that's less dangerous. That's still that funny delusion that we can sit and laugh at. You know what I mean? Like, I'm all for that. It's, the, the dangerous ones we need to nip in the bud and he's in no way shape or form dangerous you know what I mean I'm assuming he must have like you know advertised the website for the petition on the front of like a bloody like what would you call it like a jumpsuit <laughs> <laughs> I mean like aye obviously the you know the Brexit shambles has just been unreal That you know the Tories would win a 90 seat majority with their oven ready deal mm-hmm. and then 
within you know sort of six months essentially try and torpedo the rain deal just to get a no deal Brexit through like it's, it, it, I, I don't think it in any other way is like election fraud to like have your central pledge of this Brexit deal to then go into Parliament and have 330 year MPs vote against a bill that they already passed. Right. Is, completely um, disconnected for Brexit. You're going to need to like. What's, so what's they're basically trying to they're basically trying to torpedo their own withdrawal agreement by legislating against the Irish backstop. So my understanding of this backstop is that as part of the Good Friday Agreement, the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic Ireland essentially became a border in name only. It's not literally just a line on a map. It's no, like a, it's no like a customs border? Or... Aye. So as part of, you know, the Republicans needing to agree to Good Friday was that checkpoints and such went and disappeared. So I think as it stands at the minute, the Northern Irish sort of Republic Island border, which I'm sure people will be annoyed when they refer to as that. Apologies. But for the purpose of this conversation, it's just a line on a map. It's not right. actually like a meaningful border, like Ireland is Ireland in all but name, essentially. Okay. Um, but obviously, it was the UK leaves, Northern Ireland leaves with the UK. So that fictional border becomes has a to become border. a real border. Mm-hmm. And that real border invalidates clauses in the Good Friday Agreement, which if it disappears into thin air, could result in a return to violence in Ireland. Okay. So okay. I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but that's the basic gist of what I get for it. Right, okay. Obviously they don't want Northern Ireland to have a hard border and they well, for whatever reason don't think that they should have to. Um even though they are leaving the union that negates that border. Um and they've tried to basically get a bill through Parliament that negates the sort of Irish border clauses of the withdrawal agreement, which okay. basically torpedoes the entire agreement and then essentially leads to a no-deal Brexit because the EU are not going to withdraw the request for this Irish backstop, as it's been called, but the Tories are having absolutely none of it. So although they passed the withdrawal agreement with whatever they had in the last Parliament, they have now went back with a majority and rescinded the bill that they themselves passed whatever six right, months ago. Okay. And is so, this how they're breaking the law? So this is how they're breaking the law. So going against the Good Friday Agreement, for what I understand, will be a breach of international law. And also going to have the knock-on effect to absolutely ruining any trade deal. So the, the the big sort of silver lining they've been hoping for as they step away from Brexit. Um, the Europe as part of Brexit was that they'd get this pure all bells and whistles trade deal with America um, uh-huh. and Trump's commitment I cool that'll happen you know blah 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 Obama said you go to the back of the queue which is exactly what's going to happen because the trade deal needs to be ratified by Congress Congress is overwhelmingly well, majority Democrat at the moment and the Democrats have massive Irish immigrant and the party and then the population of their, <laughs> of their party. Okay. So, so fucked. Congress will never agree to a trade deal with the UK that invalidates the Good Friday Agreement. So we're in like a bit of a, a kind of Mexican standoff at the minute where we who? we're going to lose. <laughs> well, we, with the EU, with Ireland, with right. America, with Tories. Like, we're just completely kind of isolated. Pointing ourselves. fingers at each other. Ah, it's, all, it's all us that have done this. But we are pointing the fingers at everybody else while everybody else points the fingers at us. Um, and it's, it's 100% us on this. Wow. So, aye. So they're using 
you know, all the nonsense and noise and furore that's going on about things just now, to essentially try and get their no-deal Brexit and, you know, line the pockets of their Russian backers. Fuck. Allegedly. Aye. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, so aye, that's been pretty weird to see. Like, the only time somebody in, you know, the British government's been honest about Brexit was when they stood up in the Commons and went, I like we're going to break the law. But then he used this ridiculous term in a very specific, and whatever it was, in a very specific way or something like that. It was very, he was basically in the Commons going, I were going to break the law. Um, so they've had resignations for like senior legal representatives, like the Lord Advocate for Scotland resigned. Um, like, so everybody with any principle that legislates as part of the Westminster machine has like stepped down and out of the way and went, I'm having fucking nothing to do with this. Like, um, so I, the people that are left are the ones that are already flexible enough in their morality and their outlook to put it through anyway. So it's likely to pass and go through and do all the damage that it was intended to do. Oh, for fuck's sake, man. I mean, Scottish independence is just becoming an inevitability. In a lot of respects, I certainly hope so. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Section 30 um, thing, given that obviously the Lord Advocate of Scotland just resigned. Um, so I don't know how... That's going to affect the question as to whether or no we need Westminster's permission to have an election. I know obviously the Scottish Parliament said they're going to legislate to allow them to hold referenda. Um, but I think, for what I understand, this court case is working its way through the, the UK High Courts um, about whether or no we need Westminster's permission is going to be pretty vital. But I don't, yeah, I don't know where we are with that. Like we did reach out to um, a couple of the people on that in the hope that somebody would want to come on and talk with us. Um, but again, the legalities and stuff are so sensitive at the minute that it will be something that probably happens, you know, after a judgment's made. Um, right. If we can, you know, if we can obviously make it happen at that point. So Scottish independence, like in theory, is there's absolutely no surprise while we're going for like fifty to fifty-five percent. It's going to keep going up the longer this goes on, and the more that Brexit bites and hits in alongside the the COVID. Like, I mean, I, you know, what, what the number's going to be in six months' time is anybody's guess, but I would guess that it's going to keep going up. Um, oh, I, I get that, you know, polls seem to suggest that the unionists were taking a lot of comfort for the fact that polls suggest that um, an independence referendum is not a priority right now. And, you know, that's because the priority is a global pandemic. Like, <laughs> as soon as that's you know, over and done with, we'll straight back like on it. Scotland and the Union poll that appeared in the Scotsman, you know, it, it couldn't be mere like one sided. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it was a very sort of common sense result. It's like, yeah, we all want independence, but right now the referendum is not the priority. Aye. Like, they're manipulating the, the, the word and how they feed that information by going, like, it's aye. not a priority right now for people. Like, I niche it. And they would hear stammering up here telling us that the other day when one of the world, you know, flying visits for London. You know, Boris Johnson, the last time we spoke, it was Keir Starmer this time. Um, again, telling us what we're supposed to think, which, you know, seems to have worked really well for the Labour Party in the last 10 years, so I can understand <laughs> why they would continue to send people up here to patronise us, you know what I mean? Fuck, they, really? I mean, they don't, Not really. they don't need it. Like, it's no, it's no requirement, I, so why bother? But, I mean, it's, no. it's like sort of token gestures. That, that we get after the Labour Party. What was really worrying for me is is that we're heading... We've got two things that could be happening 
There's chat that fucking Boris is going to retire after he delivers his needle Brexit. I mean, it's sort of mission accomplished, I think. And oh, I. He'll be using. I'm surprised that people are surprised by that notion. Like, because, you know, I think it was fairly clear that the minute Brexit was done and he had, you know, covered whatever donations he's taken to this point for, you know, whoever um, in Russia and so on, that he would just fuck off. He would just disappear to some, you know... Whatever David Cameron and Tony Blair uh, Some estate (laughs) or some, like, Caribbean island or something, you know what I mean? Uh, Exactly. They'd be fed, like, a a regular supply of, like, you know, Caribbean virgins or whatever he needs, you know what I mean? Who's the front runner, like, for the leader of the Conservatives? So they're saying Gove, which would be horrific. But then again, did, did they know... There's no pass at all after Gordon Brown saying Scott's going to be Prime Minister. I'm not sure, but I think obviously no. Colin Gove or Scott is, is quite a... Well, they've got the evil laws and stuff like that, English votes, English laws. I'm pretty sure it's like some offshoot. But again, it might not have passed, but I know there was definitely talk of restricting Scottish ability to be Prime Minister. I don't know if it ever get through, though. I need, I need to Google that before people start tweeting us. Um, I, I'm not sure that Gove really counts as you know a particular... Was a Scotsman, really? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think if you asked him, he'd probably say he was an Englishman. You know ah, what I mean? He's like, fucking right. He's a, he certainly wants to be. Ah, right, definitely. But that's a scary prospect, man. Fucking. Any of them at this point are scary. I mean, they're they're all just they're all just caretakers for whoever is running the donation pools. You know what I mean? Like they're not, that's why they're chopping and changing them because who's actually there doesn't really matter. May went in and achieved a snooker's charter and fucked off. You know, Johnson's went and achieved his Brexit. They're, they're all going to achieve whatever their single issue is and get back out as quickly as possible before they have to carry the can for anything. Mm-hmm. And Gove will be the same. Gove will go in, you know, do whatever Cummings tells him for 18 months, achieve whatever one thing he wanted to achieve, and then get out and take up his position on the board of X amount of directors or companies. You know what I mean? Like, this is, it's no. You know, standard copy practice. and paste. I like copy and paste mm-hmm. moves. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't think it will be any different. I don't think any of them really want to be there any length of time. That in four or five years' time they're still carrying the can for the shit show that Brexit's going to be. Ah, yeah, absolutely. I mean? like, with a prime example with the revolving door <clears throat> the other week with Tom Watson, where Tom Watson, the <coughs> ex deputy leader, deputy leader, I deputy leader I... of the Labour Party's out trying to talk about restrictions on betting websites and then goes and takes a seat at the board of Bet365. So, no way, really? Aye. Our, our, <laughs> parent, our parent company. So while, while he's, I mean, it seemed that he said all the right things when he's there, but what, yeah, what's really happening? Like, is, is that what he's saying in public, whereas they're voting for other things through parliament or whatever? But um, aye, like you're saying, that's just the revolving door that that's been happening since Thatcher. I think like they've been going and taking their paydays. I mean, they fucking they pay like two hundred and fifty grand for Tony Blair to go and talk and like fucking like as a peace envoy. I know. That guy, do you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> no wonder people are in conspiracy theories when like that is that type of shit's going on. I think this is where Aye. like the actual mainstream politics actually feeds. The conspiracy community and actually feeds a level of delusion is because they love ah, the rain, the rain, delusion in the world. Do you know what I mean? They also want to be able to point to people and go look at these crackpots. That's never what we would do. I mean, like they also, you know, that all oh, this conspiracy nonsense and 
you know, whatever else, anti-this, anti-mask, anti-5G, anti-such and such. But it all provides a level of cover to a certain extent because they can point at the extreme position and be like, well, you know, those is, look at, you know, we're, we're not that crazy, you know what I mean? But I, the day, potent prod in a lot of respects when it comes to that type of thing. Aye, absolutely. Kale Stalmer was at Gina. I mean, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure it sounded to me like he was saying, make Britain great again. We just fucking shit the other day. <laughs> Aye, the conference chat. Um, probably important to know, I did send out a tweet going like, Britain first rhetoric can get in the fucking bin. And like, to be fair, Lisa and Andy didn't explicitly say Britain first, but she said everything except Britain first. You know what I mean? Like, and then you're watching slogans on, you know, union flags getting passed about. And I don't really know that the best way to resolve the issues we have just now is to be more patriotic because if it was, then, you know, we'd be in much better shape. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people here who is, you know, practically the cornerstone of their personality. Like, I don't, like, I don't get the political strategy that says fuck all the technical things that they're being rang that we can actually go and dig them out on let's just ignore all that and let's talk about patriotism instead I think think it's maybe because it it failed under Corbyn like it it was like almost the last the last one of the the rational choices where he's like presenting I mean for all his shortcomings like he did make some bad decisions but he presented a manifesto that was like Oh, I costed and was radical in a modern sense. Like, let's, do you know what I mean? And it got rejected. Yeah. So, I think the Labour Party, this is another thing that we've been speaking about in multiple episodes. They're trying to make themselves electable. But I think the cynical side of me is like, they're too late. That, that no. was a trend that's been bled dry by Brexit and bled dry by Trump and now it's got people going, wait a minute, and rejecting that for perhaps what's going to be maybe the guy that's the Chancellor which will just be somebody that's I think will probably just come out and say, well, this is what I'm going to do and it's like, I think it's an example that the Labour Party are just a step behind every single step of the way, same with the Democrats in America they just mm. feel like that step off of what the actual current what pulse is. It's like last week um, to them, and I think this sort of patriotic shout-out is just something to try and get them elected. Aye, they're trying, I think the, the purpose it was to win back the sort of red wall on the north, as it was referred to, that obviously overwhelmingly voted in favour of you know, Brexit. Um but I think that to go in the biggest financial crisis since the 1930s, that at the moment looks like it's only going to get deeper, to go and talk to people who are going to be the most affected by these changes and be like, let's all wave a flag. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, aye, it's, aye, it does not appeal to me in any way, shape or form whatsoever. And again, it's that patronisation of the electorate that we talk about when guys like Johnson and Starmer come up here and like wave at us for like a pre-organised event, take any questions and then tell us what we should think and then that's them for another six months until they need to come back up when they get their next bad headline in Scotland. You know I, what I, mean? well, I suppose once we find a way not to patronise the conspiracy theories, we can 
kill the politicians how much patronise us, <laughs> I, I like how could we how could we just talk to people like adults, you know, like well, good date by just talking to them like adults. Like uh-huh. absolutely. You know, it's not a hard one. This was something um, that I had been saying to Sean that like the last few days, like obviously Sean's really impacted by things like lockdown as like a, a dance teacher and working in schools and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That the the thing that they need today is they need to tell us why they're doing what they're doing. They can't just like just they so what effect they're looking for. Exactly. And I think that, that if we go back to what uh Nicholas Sturgeon's performance yesterday, that's exactly what she did. It was like, here's what's happening, here's what we need today, here's what we think will happen. Let's hope that that's what happens. It's like you said, yeah. it's speaking to people like adults, and I think that's why she's getting plaudits like both sides of the border. Aye. which in mean? itself is a fairly sad indictment that Aye. you know we're, we're present we're like oh my god this politician spoke to me like I was not an absolute nugget like they're amazing and like it is amazing to a certain degree but mm. like you know we should expect better on the whole I think Absolutely. to be honest with you she did announce um, almost like the first steps of basic income um, with a whatever was it 500 quid they're going to pay if you need to isolate for 14 days or yeah. a financial support package and that's setting precedent, really. Like, if they lock down again, then people will be well, like, I think Robertson was saying in, in the Commons today that Westminster either needs to extend the follow-up programme or devolve the mechanisms that allow Scotland to make that decision for themselves. So they are putting whatever pressure they can on to make sure people are supported. Again, given the you know situation we're in in Westminster, who knows? If it's going to meaningfully have any effect, um, I'm still on the follow. I'm, you know, if I'm not in a position to work, I hope it's extended. Um, it doesn't allow for me to have a lot of disposable income, but mm-hmm. it's allowed for me to cover my bills and, and not have to worry too much about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it has been useful, but the notion that we're going to increase restrictions while removing support seems absolutely ridiculous. And I can only hope that given how weak and how many U-turns this government's already had to make on this type of thing, that they'll make another one, you know, as and when is needed, because what are we talking, like 60-odd thousand people, um, like just in and around Glasgow? You know, like, that's a lot of people to just cut off their support for, mm-hmm. um, and that's just in one small instance, you know what I mean? Like, so if it's multiplied across, it's going to be millions of people that find themselves locked up in the house and no able to go to various other places as a result of restrictions and also have like no money whatsoever. It's it seems like it would be a crazy decision to make to me. But again Absolutely. that's not the first crazy decision they've made either. You no. know what I mean? I mean we'll see how many people actually stick to these restrictions. I mean if if you were to go to your Twitter feed I'm pretty sure that it would seem like there's quite a lot of people that are just like, nah I'm no fucking doing it but mm. But just keep I don't yourself know what right. Fines are the way. Imagine, imagine being in a position where you've lost your job. <laughs> you're, you know, I and you're out and about trying to like, you know, find the money, get a job, etc., etc. And you happen to be on the wrong side of a rule. You get hit with a ten grand ticket. I mean, that's I, I again, I don't, I don't see where the logic in that is. You know what I mean? Like, but again, well, time will tell. Who knows? We're only at the start of these new restrictions, and it'll probably be a few weeks before we can get to any real grips with. How successful they've been. Aye, absolutely. I, I was going to talk uh, briefly about this thing that I've watched, and it, I don't know if it ties in with what we've talked about or no. Um, have you ever heard of Nexium? And so it's N 
V-I-X-V-M. It's like a pure funky spelling. They're basically like, like churches. Like the band aye, churches like, with a V for a U. Aye, kind of mm-hmm. like that. Ne- next time or something they're called. And they're basically like, it's almost like Scientology light. It was a, a thing I watched on the, the last couple of weeks called The Vow. And it was the Hollywood sex cult that the lassies for Smallville got involved in. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Alison, uh, the wee blonde lassie, she was like... She better jail, didn't mm-hmm. she? She's really heavily involved in it, and the other brunette lassie kind of like seems to have went in and went, Oh, no, get the fuck out. Okay, aye, that was pretty like pretty disturbing. Um, seeing how, and it's weird how, like, in the beginnings, yeah, it actually looked like self help. Like, I recognize it for you know some of the guys that were talked to in terms of peer to peer, and you know, folk that we know who have been on today, like mental health seminars and all these other things where. Like, in the beginning, it looks, and maybe it does kind of, like, mirror, like, where conspiracies have moved recently, I don't know. But, like, it kind of mirrors self-help and improvement for a period of time. You start to work your way up through the levels and get your sashes almost like, you know, your judo belts and stuff like that with mm-hmm. stripes for the mere skill you get and the mere skill you get, the mere people you then help and it kind of cascades doing almost pyramid scheme-like. Um, they're obviously making money after people facilitating these things the whole time. And like, I was like two episodes in where I was like, I've not seen this. Like, this is, uh, it's a bit creepy. And the guy who runs it is a bit charismatic, but I'm still not seeing like where the, you know, the big crime here is, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then the guy started branding women for like sex. And you're like, this went for like not till like 60 and fucking nay time where. I they split the men and the women of the community into two separate, almost like mini cults where the guys were supposed to be protectors and worked out how they could, you know, philanthropy and all these other things. Uh-huh. And the woman the woman's group was called DOS, which was basically dominant over submissive or something like that. And they were basically indoctrinating women as masters and slaves, like taking blackmail off them, like, you know, nudes and like videos they recorded with the flag after flag. It was all called collateral. And like the final aspect to this was like they would brand the woman with this, you know, DOS sign. But like when you looked at it the other way around, one way it gave the initials of the dude who was the leader of the cult. And if you looked at it another way, it gave the initials of the blonde lassie, Alison McFay, Smallville. And they were like literally branding their names on women, like calorie counting with them and all the rest of it. And like they just took total control. Like restricting food and. Aye, so they were having to like text message their master and be like can I have like 70 calories can I have like 100 calories every time they wanted to eat and they would get a text message back saying like, I or not okay. whoever it was and this, it was about, all about this guy basically wanting to have sex with skinny women and you're like I think at the start you had like three girlfriends and you're like dude I mean how much more really do you want that you've got to actually like heed fuck and brand people into having sex with you when you're probably quite charismatic to the point where you could have you could have easily bed most of these women anyway, you would imagine. Not that that's justification for it, but it always seemed like a weird one to me where you were just like why I don't know why you would want like fifty women to be completely submissive to your will. Uh, I don't I don't understand it. But it's something that we see over and over again in these cults. Like, mm-hmm. you know That's what I was gonna say, like every single cult is almost like just goes back to the guy that runs it wanting to shag women. Want to take like, wife. Aye. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like, what the fuck man? Like aye. But I think I've got one wife and I'm a bit like eh. I mean like fifteen or whatever, like, absolutely not. Like I think that crazy. 
the there's a lot of like misogyny in it. There's a lot of sort of patriarchy. It's like a sort of miniature patriarchal thing where it's about power and dominance. Mm-hmm. They're just mentally damaged people. Like ultimately, I think a lot uh, of them are like narcissistic personalities that just they'll never ever be satisfied. See, like you're saying, like I've got enough with one. Like they. Men like that need constant attention, constant stimulation, and the only way really to get it is because they kind of get it for one woman, so then they go to two, three, and then I think people just get sucked in. Like, women like that, Alice and Mac, just get sucked into this whirlwind that's always like... I mean, you always see that with like even the serial killer stuff. There's always one that really dominates what's going on, what's happening, and then one that just kind of gets sucked into it and just gets taken uh, away and is just easy to manipulate. And they're, they're almost like the testing ground for like the rest of them. And every time mm-hmm. they get a new one, they get better and better at like adding women onto like this cult. I, I mean, it's crazy. This guy showed, or they showed a video as part of this where this guy, Keith, Keith his name's fucking Keith. Oh, for like, fuck's sake. Can you imagine meeting, <laughs> like, the Messiah? Like, somebody's like, sure, this is the way, this is the light. And if you're like, you can meet Keith, you'd be like, Keith, fucking hell, like, he's not the Messiah. You know what I mean? Like, bye. So he, meet, he meets, he meets this guy, Keith. He, he, he started out with, he ran, like, a weekly volleyball game. Right. And they were all like pure happy, clappy, like positive energy playing volleyball. And she came along to it. And this was the hook. And like he talks to her on camera for like five minutes this last day for Smallville. And like, see, within, and I mean, within five minutes, like literally within five minutes, she's a bubbling mess of tears and has had like a life epiphany sitting on the sidelines of a volleyball match. And this is where she came in because she actually came in it quite late. So she right. was like one of the instigators. But when it went dark, she was like his bottom bitch. She was the one that was like, you know, keeping everybody else in check. And it was almost as if it was like her that was doing it, but it was actually her that was doing it for him, if you follow me. Right, okay. Uh, it was insane to watch how quickly somebody with that type of charisma can like flip somebody. You know what I mean? Like, because, Brown, it? Uh, there's an she element of a stranger and walked back out as like a devotee in minutes. It was wild. Like, I would highly recommend anybody that has interest in that type of thing to watch it because it's frightening. That's the type of like I think I've heard Darren Brown talk quite a bit about how he takes his responsibility of being, being as skilled as he is very, very seriously because it would be so easy for him to just manipulate people into doing his world. Aye. And I think that guys like that will have that level of whether or not they've trained consciously like Darren Brown has or whether they've just developed the skill just naturally because they all, yeah. when you find out what it is that's happening, it all is very natural, like the cues and stuff like that that they use. Mm-hmm. But... That's just somebody that's just highly skilled at manipulating people and clearly that Alison Max probably thought this guy's unbelievable. Like look what's Aye. just happened to me. I've actually experienced Aye. that. No realising that it's see just that she'd had like a genuine like you, uh, so she took on this whole new energy, which was just weird. Like I that was a pretty good one I've been kinda like keeping an eye on. It's been week by week. Um on the flip side it's somebody with took the charisma that I, I also really enjoyed was um the what's it called? I'll I'll leave in the dark. I'm alone in the dark or something. It's basically like a kind of six part documentary um, about a 
the Golden State Killer guy was a rapist in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. raped like 50 women in San Diego and then moved south into California and like killed 12 couples and he was one of these kind of almost like Zodiac style figures um, where he was interacting with the press, goading them and stuff like that. Right, okay. But the woman who was investigating this like cold case was basically like a podcaster so she started her own like she was one of the very first like true crime podcasters right. um, and built up a following for her blog that was getting like 10,000 views and so on and so forth but she also happened to be uh, Peyton Oswald's wife so see the wee comedian fella that's been in like does the voice of the unicorn and happy and he's been in like Marvel stuff and all the rest of it as well he's been in loads of stuff like he's a really you'll probably know his voice before you actually recognise his face what's his name? Peyton Oswald so has she? They were obviously know together as this all oh, started. Oh yeah, I um, got married. Aye, I know who you're talking about. He's in his wife's two and a half men and all that fucking shit. Ah, he's been in various. He's one of the guys who pops up in loads of shit. Like mm. he's actually pretty good. What he does, to be fair to him. Um, and I, so she is now as part of like blogging and podcasting, investigating this cold case murder rapist sort of thing um, and it's about how she just slowly like slides into obsession and there's a fair bit of tragedy like personal tragedy involved and it's like, really beautifully handled and stuff like that but as we were talking about the guy Keith you know the, the sex messiah Keith um, being this charismatic person who used that to dominate this guy was very much the opposite he was going to people's homes and like hog tying husbands while he raped wives and stuff like that like his dominance was like very very physical and as obviously as this story progresses she successfully kind of pieces this together and you, the, her work is the basis for how they eventually like, catch them sort of thing like, but the story I'm not going to ruin too much yet, and anybody who knows painters also will know what happens with you know his wife and stuff like that but um, it is really beautifully handled and like obviously her work continues on beyond her and stuff like that and everybody that had been part of this community that she had popped up around about her podcast and around about her blog actually like sort of completes her work for her and you know you've seen the reaction when they get the phone call saying like we, we got the guy it's like 45 50 years later they got him and like they're all this team of people that's come around together getting to celebrate catching this bastard was absolutely brilliant so i think if i was recommending stuff to keep an eye on and you're into a bit of your true crime again like the vow and i'll leave in the dark i'm pretty sure it's called it was what he said to victims in his early days is i'll be gone in the dark that's what i'll be gone in the dark i'll be gone in the dark it's very like interesting but there are bits that are really brutal you know what i mean awesome dude i'll be sure to check that out i've just finished the sopranos and oh, i just love it man i just i was gutted again when it finished and um, i know obviously people are like about the ending but i, I was just pure Ah, it's an absolute masterpiece so it's like I've been more light and fluffy again I've just been in about the good place and various other like cheesy shite that just occupies me um, thankfully I've had plenty of reading today the last couple of weeks you know we had a you know, scabby queen author Kirsten in this last week uh, that was just it was a mind-blowingly good book so it was like I couldn't highly, I couldn't recommend it enough um, I just finished another, that during the week there as well I just is absolutely stunning. Um, I've just taken delivery of our next book, um, who will be 
talking to you in the coming weeks, um, which we'll keep under our hats on now just for a wee bit, um, just to make sure it all goes ahead and happens. Don't worry. Advertise this one and then you know no get it out of the line but that I so I've been enjoying the you know making time to read again because that was something that as lockdown progressed I was like I'd love to get back into doing a wee bit merry so some of the books we've had on recently have been a really good excuse to you know dust off that part of what I wanted to do um, and the one that we're going to be talking to over the next couple of weeks I'm just I'm literally coming off this phone call and starting that. Right, awesome, <laughs> so I'm really mate. I'm really excited to actually like get into it. 